Hey MW, it's Melissa and Stephanie Karkache, two sisters and the founders of Millennial Women and your host of Millennial Women Talk. We're so grateful you're sharing your time with us today. By tuning into this episode, you're investing in becoming the best version of you and we are thrilled to be on this journey together. Are you thinking of starting a business? We know you're wondering, how can I go from concept to company and make my vision a reality? On this episode, we speak to seasoned entrepreneur and female power player in the business world, Divya Gunani. She is the co-founder and CEO of Wander Beauty. Divya shares her story going from investment banking to venture capital until the entrepreneur bug bit her hard. She launched three businesses and even sold one of them to QVC before launching successful brand Wander Beauty. On this episode, she shares with us her step-by-step play on how she took her product line from just a concept and into the hands of multitasking women all over the world. There were so many insightful moments on this episode, but here's some of our favorites. I believe that if you're hardworking and you're all about the hustle, you don't necessarily have to be type A extrovert. I was not a type A extrovert. I was not chatting up people left, right, and center the way I am now. But that is something that was built over so many years and I grew into it. So for those of you know, the people who are listening to this right now and are like, oh, I don't know if I'll ever be an entrepreneur. I don't know if I'll ever take the risk. I don't know if I'll ever do it. Like the reality is like you may. Never say never. I think that it's interesting to understand the real context of your life and what you're doing and to really just share that story authentically. And that became our messaging. Okay, MW, the journey to getting closer to the best you starts right now. Divya, we're so excited that you're here. Tell us a little bit about you. Tell us where you started. Let's go all the way back. All the way back to Springfield, Illinois, where it all started. I was born there. My dad actually worked for the government. Um, my dad, dad then started his own business, and we moved to New York. So I moved here when I was about three and a half. Um, grew up in the suburbs, normal childhood, ran track, studied a lot, product of having two Indian parents, lots of homework, <laughs> lots of extra work at home. I turned into my mother, and I did the same thing with my kids, so I'm guilty as charged. Um, went to college studied government economics, thought I wanted to be pre-med and do the whole doctor thing, but had to dissect something pre-med bio sub- freshman semester one. And I was like, please, no, I can't do this. <laughs> and so did an internship in investment banking, loved it, really loved working in finance. As soon as I graduated Cornell, I worked at Goldman Sachs in investment banking. I worked 100-hour weeks. I slept under my desk. I loved every single minute of it. I feel like I worked with really hardworking, driven people. And that was very motivating and inspiring for me. The culture of Goldman Sachs was something very special that I hold near and dear to my heart out of all the professional experiences I've had. I just remember one thing when I started work my first week, they told me there's no I in Goldman Sachs. And that to me was just so telling of the culture and the company that I was working for. And so I really held that with me as I've gone on later in my career to start other companies. So I worked in finance, private equity, worked in venture capital. Uh, I love to cook. I went to culinary school between undergraduate and graduate school. I have all the cuts, burns, and very ugly arms and hands (laughs) to prove it. Um, I have stitches, God knows, in so many fingers and hands that it's really embarrassing at times. 
And I cook for my family all the time on the weekends. I don't do anything with it professionally anymore, but I got bitten by the entrepreneurial bug. I left my venture capital job and that was after I actually had started a company and built a company. I left it when I started my second company. So my first company, I actually worked full-time and had a full-time job. And I ran a company nights and weekends, which I don't recommend because it's exhausting. My second company, I dedicated all my time and energy to. It didn't scale, but I learned a lot from it. Um, I grew a lot as a person. And then my third company was in the fashion accessories and beauty space. And I sold that company to QVC. And now Wander Beauty is my fourth venture. So now I've had all the experience of literally, as you had told me before, um, when we first met, having not nine lives, but more like a hundred. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I think with your story and what you're sharing as to how many things you've done and how many things you are doing, I think it's important for young people, especially our generation, to know like you could try everything and you can't. Yes. So like, for example, you know how like they always tell you, you have to pick one thing that has to be your AKA dream and just go to that. For you along that journey of literally trying everything, I mean, you're, you're going from VC to cooking. I mean, those are two different worlds. You're exercising so many different muscles. Walk us through that process between saying, okay, I'm going to try this. Okay, maybe not this. Let's move on to that. How does your brain function in those decisions? It's so interesting. So my friend, her father-in-law was a professional coach and he told her something that's kind of stuck with me. She said that if you want to be a professional athlete, it's really important not to specialize too early. And to focus on one thing, you know, all my friends who are like professional athletes who are ice skaters or basketball players, they didn't play that sport specifically since a young age and had a particular talent in it and stay all the way through because that gets people exhausted and it makes them burn out. They actually just developed all of their athletic abilities holistically and became cross-trained athletes so they could specialize and be really good at one sport later on. And so I adopt that philosophy. I really believe that if you build the nuts and bolts of what makes a successful career, learning finance, learning operations, learning to work with companies at Goldman Sachs, I worked with large public companies. As a venture capitalist, I worked with two guys in a garage. So seeing and being exposed to different stages of businesses exposed me to the kind of leader I wanted to be, the kind of companies I wanted to run. It was all part of my journey to get where I've gotten. So I feel like it's important to try different things and to have a holistic view of how you want to grow your career. It's not just that you follow one track and you have to just do that. And maybe that works for some people. For me, it didn't. I actually feel like it's important as an entrepreneur and a leader to be multidimensional. And when you've seen different environments and you've worked with different companies at different stages, you have a lot of expertise and diversity to bring in terms of your thought process and growing a business. Also, when you're hiring and recruiting a team, one thing I always say is that diversity in a team leads to diverse outcomes and diverse thoughts. And that really yields to the best results because the universe is diverse. And so if you fall into mind think and everyone comes from the same place and did everything a certain way from a certain organization, you all fall into this one lane. And I don't want to be that lane. I want to really focus on diversity of experience, diversity of thought really comes from having different diverse career experiences. So I embraced it. I did different things. I learned teamwork in the kitchen, cooking professionally in a kitchen and working with dishwashers and sous chefs and being on a line. Um, I learned teamwork being you know, in corporate America. So it's two different types of teamwork, but I think that at the end of the day, it's still teamwork. I Absolutely. 
You're talking a little bit about being multidimensional, being a team player, ultimately. What are some of the other, you know, it's so interesting when we meet people such as you that are so inspiring, they're successful in so many avenues in their life. Like that one thing Mel and I always talk about are like, what are the skill sets, right? Like what did she develop within herself? Because we know it's, you know, it's the, the work within oneself, like your internal work, ultimately is what makes everything outside kind of work or not work, right? Because it starts You're 100% from within. Right. I think the most important thing is being self-aware. So I think that the best leaders that I've worked with in my career and I seek to emulate and model are ones that are actually self-aware. Like the best work you do inside yields to the best work outside. So you have to know you. So I know that I may be you know, savvy when it comes to numbers, savvy when it comes to operations, savvy in terms of product development, because that's something that I love and I'm super passionate about. But you put 20 different Pantones in front of me and you want me to do aesthetics. And like, I raise my (laughs) hand and I'm like, I can't see the difference between the 20 different Pantones. Like, no you, like I do me, you know? I'm just like, my, this is why I have a co-founder. This is why you bring other people into the fold as advisors, as mentors, as team members, because they make the pie and the opportunity of your company bigger by bringing their unique skills that are actually complementary to yours. So for me, I think being self-aware, that's a very important trait and allows you to bring the right people into your organization for the organization and business to thrive. It needs diversity of people and it needs people with skill sets other than your own. The other thing is just pure intellectual curiosity. I am a curious person. I was a curious kid who asked a lot of questions. I'm a curious CEO who asks a lot of questions. I ask my team a lot of questions. I ask my customers a lot of questions. I ask my investors a lot of questions. And I learn. If there's something I don't know, I find a way to learn it and grow from it. And I think pure intellectual curiosity is a hallmark of a lot of really successful business leaders. Absolutely. That's amazing. Coming from a VC world, and now I feel like the term is just, is thrown everywhere. Like everybody talks about it, either they have it, they're working with investors, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, our parents are entrepreneurs and I grew up hearing bank loans. I mean, I don't know if that is even- smart. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I don't even know if, that, if that's even possible to do in a 2019 world. But could you maybe walk us through in our audience, especially startup businesses, what exactly is VC funding and, and is that worth, is that an avenue? to head into? So funding is a really personal choice. It all depends on the company that you're trying to create, the culture you're trying to create, the organization you want to create. So if you are launching a consumer business that's you know customer facing, you're going to sell a product or a service to consumers, and you want to scale it fast, and you want to grow quickly, you can raise venture capital money once you have a proof of concept and you've done something where you can show some data, traction, you're, you know, people are buying your product or service, you have revenue, like whatever it may be, you can pitch it to investors and you may decide to take a large amount of capital, which means that you give up some of the ownership in your company to an investor and you sit alongside them. They may take a board seat. They may advise you informally and you set up on a path to really rapidly grow that business such that you can actually sell it. And there's an outcome where you sell the company and the venture capitalist gets a real return call it anywhere from three to 15 times, maybe a lot more depending on the the stage and the size of the opportunity. So you're setting yourself up for a certain outcome where you're going to grow quickly. You're going to go deep into the market. You're going to put a lot of money behind customer acquisition, 
growing and building your customer base. And then also you're going to exit the business and you're going to sell it to someone where the venture capitalist gets a return. When you're thinking about a company that you want to run from generation to generation in your family, something you're, that you want your kids to run or you want your kids' kids to run, and you're looking for it to support the livelihood of your life and be able to cover your expenses and grow and you know live whatever life that the business can support, that's something that you're going to invest in on your own. You're going to bootstrap. You're going to grow. You're going to be profitable. You're going to think about profitability and focus on that before you're going to optimize for growth. Right. So like a venture capitalist looking looking for high growth opportunities and running an independent business and using bank loans, you can run a relatively high growth business, but the growth you're going to get from pouring money into something is different than the growth you're going to get from growing the business on its own cash flow. So I think that really you have to understand what is the path for yourself of what you want to create with this company. Where do you see yourself in five years or 10 years? Do you see yourself building an enterprise that gets sold quickly to another company and you're cashed out and you move on to the next thing? Or do you see yourself running this for generations? And that's going to help you decide and make funding decisions for your business that are right for you. That's so interesting and so valuable because even for us, I'm like, what really is the difference? Like, I mean, I know the equity part is the big difference, yeah. um, but I had no yeah, idea. You're giving a piece of your company to an yeah. investor and they're expecting to realize value for that piece of the company. So they're not going to hold it indefinitely. And there's so many different types of funding. There's angel investors who are individuals who may be more patient investors and have a longer trajectory by which they're willing to kind of wait out and see what happens. They may be venture capitalists or private equity investors who have a three to five year horizon, maybe even seven to 10 years, depending on the investor, they have a certain fund that they raise from institutions. And when they invested in companies, they have to give that the, their fund a return. So they have a certain threshold of an outcome that they need to achieve in order for them to give a return to their limited partners. And so you really have to make sure that you're able to meet those thresholds and, and really be able to um, have an outcome that's going to be favorable to them. So much so value. Oh my yeah. God, I feel like we need to do like a part two to just tackle that. You really yeah. weren't kidding What's, when you said you love numbers. <laughs> you know, part of venture capital is also taking a lot of bets. And so a portfolio of venture capital investments, maybe 20, 30, 40, 50 companies, two of them are going to be huge wins, a thousand times return, 200 times return. Others are going to go to zero and fail and not make it to the next phase. Some are going to yield a two times return or a three times return. It's going to be run the gamut, but it's almost like throwing darts against a wall. Some are really going to hit bullseye and be amazing and others are going to be on the perimeter. Um, and some are just not even going to hit the dartboard. Oh, wow. I mean, it's a big risk to be a VC for sure. Yes, for oh my sure. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about entrepreneurship, right? You know, like Mel said, our parents are entrepreneurs. So for us, it wasn't... The word is what's new, right? Because when we were yes. younger, we were just like, oh, starting a business. Like, and my dad never the really labeled it, right? So I think now, you know, I guess we we speak on behalf of the millennial generation, millennial women. It's definitely a trendy word. It's hashtagged a lot on social. And you have a lot of different kind of ideas. Some people want to say entrepreneurs are born. It's not something that's learned. And but then again, we're 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 talking with you who actually didn't start as an entrepreneur. So I just kind of want to know your entrepreneur journey. Was it something that yeah, like just talk to us a little bit about that. How did you get into it? 
So there's so many entrepreneurs that say, oh my God, I had a lemonade stand. I sold lemonade to everyone in the neighborhood. I was amazing. I like crushed it. My mom knew I was going to be a huge entrepreneur. Like I'm the opposite. Okay. No one (laughs) in my family looked at me and said, she's going to be an entrepreneur. Like no one, not my mom, not my dad, not my grandparents. They looked at me and were like, she's going to have 2.2 kids live in a house in the suburbs, have a white picket fence and have a stable income and a paycheck. Okay. That's what they <laughs> They saw me and that's what they saw. Virgo personality, studies hard, works hard, discipline, discipline, athlete, all division, you know, track, played volleyball, like really regimented, organized, focused. They're like, she's taking zero risks in her life. Like sign her up for the mortgage for the house in the suburbs. Meanwhile, I live in Manhattan and I take risks all day long. So, but this is the thing. It's like, I believe that, yes, some entrepreneurs are born and that hustle is born within them. I feel like I'm an accidental entrepreneur and I think it's okay to be one. I think that people are just, you know, in this realm of like, you're either an entrepreneur or you're not. Like I went to undergrad. I never thought I would be an entrepreneur. I went to culinary school. I never thought I would be an entrepreneur. I went to business school. I never thought I would be an entrepreneur. Like then fast forward, the opportunities presented themselves and I had ideas and I had a knowledge base of skills that I had learned from so many years of building my career and working with different companies that I was ready at that time to take that leap. And it was very thought thought out by me. Like, yes, it was a risk. It always is a risk, but I did it in stages. And as I was more successful, I built more confidence. And that's what allowed me to really build these companies and grow them and, you know, to build Wander Beauty. And so a lot of it is just, yes, they say like nature versus nurture and in, in having that kind of inbound gene. I believe that if you're hardworking and you're all about the hustle, you don't necessarily have to be type A extrovert. I was not a type A extrovert. I was not chatting up people left, right, and center the way I am now. But that is something that was built over so many years and I grew into it. So for those of you know the people who are listening to this right now and are like, oh, I don't know if I'll ever be an entrepreneur. I don't know if I'll ever take the risk. I don't know if I'll ever do it. Like the reality is like you may. Never say never. Right. Absolutely. And I think this is a perfect segue to say to ask you how you started Wander Beauty. After this is, you said your fourth business girl, you are a little risk taker. I am. I am. And you would never guess it from seeing my homework and my neat handwriting when I was a kid. So, um, so I sold my last company to QVC. I worked at QVC. We had a massive beauty business, all incredible brands being sold there. Um, I had a lot of opportunity to kind of work on the digital side of beauty and really understand those founder stories, incredible product innovation. And really for me as a beauty lover, I always loved beauty, right? I watched my mom get ready when I was a kid. I did people's makeup when I was in a sorority at college. I always loved makeup. I love skincare. I cooked up all these different concoctions for my face and my hair in the kitchen. So I've been like heating up olive oil and adding amla and doing hot oil massages for my scalp since, I don't know, middle school. I've been creating face masks out of things in my refrigerator since middle school as well. So I always loved beauty, but I realized as a mom who had two children and was a career mom and went back to work, my entire beauty routine turned upside down. Like I just felt so lost in the beauty world. I was like, when I was in college, I felt found. I felt like, oh my God, all these artistry brands are talking to me. I can do you know, five-step smoky eye. I can do 10-step skin routine. I can give myself a facial on a Sunday. Like I loved all that. But then when you have two children and you have 
15 minutes a day tops to deal with your human self for all needs that you have, face, hair, body, nails, everything. You're just like, I got to change the way I think, right? I have to have fewer steps. I have to do it faster. I'm doing it on the go. My life is being lived on the go. My life is being lived in motion. But there was no beauty brand that was speaking to me that was working with my needs, right? Like all these brands are telling me more is more. You need so many products. You need tools, brushes, powders. Like I don't have time for that. I'm taking the subway in the morning. I have to get to work. So when I was on the subway in the morning on my way to work, I noticed that like someone was putting on their mascara. Someone was putting their SPF on. I'd come to work. People would be doing their hair at their desk at work. I'd go to the gym. I'd see people doing their skincare. And so all of this was like happening around me. And I'm like, light bulb went off in my head. I was like, women today, the modern women today are more time-starved, busy, and active and care about wellness more than ever before. And there is zero brands in the beauty space speaking to this demographic and this woman. Everyone's telling you more is more. I'm going to tell you, you're going to streamline your beauty routine. Less is more. I'm going to create a brand with my co-founder, Lindsay, about fewer, better beauty essentials. Fewer because they're multitaskers, multi-use formulas, double-sided components. So if you have three steps, I'm going to condense it down to one. If you have 20 products in your bag, I'm going to give you three or five. They're going to do the job of the 20. And, And by the way, you're on the go. So you want things that work with your busy life that you can like in tubes and packages and like pumps and like built an applicator so you can just like do it in the back of an Uber or do it on planes, trains, and automobiles. So fewer, better because it's all clean beauty. We follow EU regulations and we ban over 1600 chemicals in our formulas. Your skin is your largest organ. You don't want to be ingesting chemicals from it. Um, and then beauty essentials. We are the opposite of the brands out there today. We're not a hair brand. We're not a nail brand. We're not a skin brand. We are a beauty brand servicing the modern woman today. We want to own her entire beauty routine and really own her entire beauty wallet. So we've introduced beauty by category, first color cosmetics, now skincare, and we're building more categories. We've won over 26 beauty awards, including five Allure Best of Beauties. And really we focus on innovation. At the end of the day, Wander Beauty is where you go for true beauty innovation. Absolutely. I I couldn't agree more really. I mean, for me, what attracted me to the brand was the double-sided stick. It had the, it was like a blush a and then blush highlighter, which I already ran out, but it's, it was sold out in Sephora. So I got to wait and see when you guys are bringing that back. Cause it's like, that's I my lifesaver. That. So that was the first skew we ever launched. It's a double-sided stick, lip and yes. cheek formula, one side, nude glow illuminator, other side can be used as cream eyeshadow, eyes, legs, cheeks. You can put it on your lips anywhere you want. I and we it. literally did six figures of sales and that's you wow. in the first few weeks of launching the brand. And it really was this notion of like, you can have one stick that is a, like 20 different looks in a stick. Oh yeah. It's, it's my favorite product. I literally do my entire face with that because our generation now, especially, I remember, oh my gosh, a couple years ago, me and Steph's like makeup bag. We used to travel with tons of, I mean, you yeah, would think we were professionals. Right. It yeah. was like a joke. <laughs> so like now it's like, this is so ridiculous. Like I'm not gonna, we can't travel like this. And when I found that product, it saved my life. Cause I'm like, and I love to look natural too, which is what I love about your brand. You know, you enhance It's all about enhancing your natural beauty, yes. being a more confident version of yourself. And the other thing is like, there's so much excess. There's so much waste. There's so many products. Like you're wasting, you're creating so much waste for the environment. And so just by having fewer multitaskers, I think you're just doing a better job. Oh, yeah. I love that word multitasker because my marketing brain comes like on right away because it's like your product represents the women of today. 
Like yes. your products are multitaskers and we are multitaskers. It's like the best combination. And honestly, you, you and Lindsay have built something so amazing. And bringing in Lindsay, I would like to know um, – how did that even come about? Like, was it something that you had this idea and said, okay, I need, I need like a counterpart. Like, cause sometimes, you know, you, you, you have these ideas and sometimes we just want to keep it to ourselves. But at the same time, we hear phrases like Rome wasn't built in one day or alone. Right. So tell us a little bit about when and how you met Lindsay. How did you bring her on board? And that story. You know, people say, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Mm-hmm. And so when you want to really build a business that's going to grow and build and just be big, you really need to bring in A-plus talent from day one. And so when Lindsay and I actually met at a party, I we just started having a conversation. And I was like, oh, I'm at QVC. This is my role. This is what I'm doing. I'm thinking about starting another company. My husband thinks I'm crazy. I have two young kids. I just had a baby. I'm still nursing. She was like, oh my God, you're nuts. And I was like, I love beauty. And I want to like disrupt the beauty industry, but I just don't know how. And I'm thinking about it. And she's like, that's so interesting. I'm obsessed with beauty. And I was like, well, I'm thinking about this concept. Do you want to just like talk about it? But I I didn't have a business idea. I just knew I wanted to do something in beauty and I want to start a company in beauty. So when I met her, it was like divine intervention. It was like totally fortuitous that I went to that party she went to that party. We both connected. We talked about beauty. I was like, come to my house. I'm nursing. I can't really go anywhere. And she's like, sure. And she comes over and her purse is this big. It's like literally like the size of, I don't know what, like a wallet. And that's like what she carries around with her. And she's on planes, trains, and automobiles modeling all the time. Right. So I just asked her about her experience backstage on the runway, doing big national and international campaigns for fashion brands and beauty brands and accessory brands. And we just got talking and thinking. We bonded over our love of beauty, our love of travel, and we knew we had to do something to democratize beauty and to disrupt it for modern women today. And so we came up with a concept together. And what I think is so important about having a co-founder is that I've seen a lot of partnerships and my experience of being an investor and being a venture capitalist that don't succeed and don't survive. And a lot of those have to do with people having the same role and overlapping of responsibilities. And what I think makes our partnership work well is that we don't overlap at all. So we really like, she owns her domain. She's creative director. She owns all of the vision of the brand, the aesthetic, like all the things that she's super talented. And then I run the company, the business, the operations, where we really intersect is in product development, but we have a clear team that owns that. So we're not overlapping. We're just adding our input and collaborating. And that's what really makes a successful partnership. If you're thinking about bringing on a co-founder, just make sure that their skills are complimentary to yours and they're really going to be additive to the company and the business. Mm, that's, that's very, so very valuable. valuable. I, you, I had mentioned that you guys rapidly grew, especially with that one product. Walk us through the journey, your emotional, mental journey of the business. What was that like? How did you God. feel? We need to know these things. <laughs> Risk, anxiety, sleepless nights. I mean, what do you want to know? I mean, like, it's hysterical. You start a business. You, well, first, we surveyed 100 women. We asked them what their pain points were in beauty. We started crystallizing the concept. We knew our brand would be fewer, better beauty essentials, and for women who want to be gorgeous on the go. We always thought of it that, like, women are living their lives in motion. We are the brand that you go for beauty in motion. 
We are beauty where you live, work, and play. We are beauty beyond the bathroom. Like these are all words that we came up with that resonated with us. Multitasking beauty essentials. Like we literally wrote these things all down and brainstormed. We're like, this is our brand. This is who we are. This is our identity. To own this identity, this is our lane that we're playing in. And creating the product was difficult. Shade matching, componentry, learning the product development product uh, pipeline. We now have over 49 SKUs and we're globally distributed. So we sell in Sephora, Hong Kong, Singapore, Philippines, Australia, New Zealand. We're launching Sephora South Korea. So we are a global brand and being compliant with global beauty regulations is a, it's a beast basically. And so learning, developing, bringing in the right regulatory expertise, bringing in the right product development expertise, we lived through that and we've been through that journey and we're continuing to grow. So I think the, the overwhelming emotion is this being flooded, being overwhelmed and really just problem solving every day. Like if I were to describe our journey of four years of running Wander Beauty, it's like having white space and innovating, really trying to do the impossible. Like every time we create a multitasker, we're like innovating the formula, innovating the packaging, innovating in the ingredients, innovating in the delivery system. Like we are truly taking risk 360. We're not making something that you can buy in a drugstore department store already. So it's a lot of risk taking. It's a lot of innovation. But then it's a lot of being overwhelmed and shoot troubleshooting and solving problems. Mm. I want to go into a little bit more of the business, your realm. So when you have this idea, you have your co-founder, you guys are talking the, the exciting parts, right? And then you have to think about, okay, this idea, this dream has to now be physical. And it does take a lot of money to make that happen. Although Mel and I have mastered like balling on a budget. So, you know, (laughs) we make things happen without really, you know, having much to make it happen, right? Tell us a little bit about that. Did you seek out your venture capitalist friends? Did you seek out investors? Or were you just in the trenches in the beginning, just you self-funding? How was that? We bootstrapped. We self-funded. It was the way to go for us. We said, let's have some traction. Let's have proof of concept. Let's get this off the ground. Let's like see what we have before we do anything else. And so for us, it's really, really important that we kind of build the business from ground up and have that product market fit before we brought any friends or family or outside investors into it. We're like, do we have a business? Is this concept going to resonate with people? Are people going to like it before we really get behind it in a meaningful funding way? So we bootstrapped, we self-funded, we then raised some friends and family money, which I highly recommend. That's kind of the next stage of proof of concept. Like, Let's take a little bit of money from people that we know, investors that I'd worked with in my prior companies, um, so really like that next round help us, you know, invest in product, have the right, you know, operations and supply chain set up. And then when we really had pure traction and we were growing super rapidly and we we're building community, we felt the need and the pinch and the desire to have more money to put behind it. We really did it in stages, self-fund, take some friends and family, you know, angel money, then take money after that from institutional investor. And that's really, that was a venture capitalist who came in at that time. And we had a few different funds that kind of participated in that round that was in 2017. So we launched the business in May, 2015, self-funded. We took some angel money later on. In 2017, we really saw huge growth, huge traction. We said, we're missing out on sales because we're not 
putting money behind the company to grow the way we could be growing. And that was a point where we said, okay, let's take some institutional money. Then last summer, we took some private equity money, which is a little bit later stage. Um, but all in, we're, we've really been super, super frugal, super tight, built this business on a budget, really, really harnessed our community. Our community of Wander Beauties, if you check out hashtag Wander Beauty on Instagram, women of all ages, ethnicities, sizes, geographies, they have supported the growth of this brand. We have not been a company that has manufactured sales or raised a lot of money and pushed marketing. Like That's not who we are. That's not who we ever will be. It's been empowering real women, understanding them and the pain points in their routine, understanding them in the context of their real lives, and really listening to their stories and allowing that to inform the journey of our business. That's amazing. And how do you, when no one really knows your brand yet, how do you get these women to find you and find your products and and essentially buy? It's so interesting. It was a huge word of mouth. Like we just saw, we created a multitasker that you could use 20 different ways. We created video content around that. We put that video content wherever we could. When people started buying it, they started telling their friends. Like I bought this Wander Beauty on the Glow Blush and Illuminator. I use it five different ways. It replaces my my lipstick, my blush, my cream eyeshadow, my highlighter. Like I'm mixing it in like with the color stick. So there was just so much. We we create innovation and we put it in the hands of our community. And then they really shared their stories and they shared their voice. And we really weave together those voices to be the narrative of our brand. So when you look at our imagery, you look at our our images, our website kind of layout and creative copy. And if you look at our emails and subscribe to our emails, you, you really get the feel that like this is all community driven. And that's really what we've harnessed. And that's been the key factor that's helped us grow so much so quickly. That's yeah. amazing. Have you ever dabbled in like Facebook ads or influencer yes. marketing, things like We've that? We've amplified Have you ever a lot of our user-generated content and also the content that we create in-house in our studio with real women of all walks of life. And we amplify that and sponsor that and kind of use Facebook as a vehicle to get that out to more people. I love that. I mean, that's that's how we're consuming today. Like this unattainable kind of like celebrity like to it just doesn't work like the the re- everyday woman wants to feel like she was a part of that 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 represents her and so i think you guys honestly hit it in the nail like you really took the time to understand what women actually want and the way you did that was actually seeing what you wanted personally and and mel and i talk about that all the time like when you're thinking about creating like come from a pl- a personal place first right And I love that you're sharing so much of you and Lindsay's personality and personal journey into this creation, which is honestly what makes Wonder Beauty wondrous. (laughs) You know, it's the thing is like, I gave my mom a facial yesterday. So my mom came over, it's Sunday. She's exhausted. She's had a long week. I'm even more exhausted. I'm like been running around and chasing two children between tennis and baseball and a hundred other things and making cupcakes for bake sale. So we're like, we need a self-care Sunday moment. Like I gave her a full facial. We went through every step of the routine. Like it was so nice to actually invest and spend time on ourselves. And like, it's so nice to actually formulate and create. And my mom's over 70 years old. And like just seeing the radiance and the glow added back into her skin after going through this ritual with her for what literally took us 30 minutes or so. And, you know, testing, I, we were working on a new treatment formula. I tested on her and I want to know her feedback on like, how does she feel about it? How does her skin feel? Like, 
does she see any immediate result? Like I gave her a little tube and I was like, you need to use this every day for the next 10 days and tell me how you feel about it. Like it was (laughs) just such an incredible thing to be able to involve your community and real people with real skin concerns through this whole thing to be a part of it. It's so crazy because when you think about how even beauty was like years, years ago, right? It's like animal tested. Like, isn't that kind of weird, right? Like this product that you're using as, as a person or as a woman on your skin, right? One of our largest organs. It's like, it's crazy, right? And I love hearing that story that you're sharing that you're actually testing your products on your mother. So you have to trust this person creating this if they're giving it to their (laughs) mother, right? Yeah. I wouldn't put it on my mom's skin if I wouldn't put it on my own, if I wouldn't, you know, do it to my daughter. And it's like my mom and I are sitting there. We both have hereditary dark circles. We're both, you know, exhausted, tired, puffy, and lacking brightness under the eyes. We put on the baggage claim gold eye masks and we look like new people. It's like coffee for your under eyes. (laughs) It's like the hydration, the deep puffing, these, you know, under eye masks just change the way we feel about ourselves. And so it was such a powerful thing to create those. And so every time we're creating true innovation, we're always enlisting the community in that journey of developing everything alongside us. I have a question for you because you're, you're talking about so many products, right? And so many amazing products that I can't wait to try. But when you're first launching a company, I feel like, especially in the product line, you do have all these ideas for so many products, like, yeah. but you don't, launch with them all or would you just launch with one like tell us a little bit about that like executive decision ultimately on how many products you should actually launch with when you're first starting well i think it depends on the sector and the industry that you're going into but i will tell you for beauty people literally looked at lindsay and me every time we went to a meeting and they just dropped their jaw like they're like where's the collection we started with one product and people were like but where's the collection? Where's the mascara? Where's the lip? Where's the eyes? Where's the face? Where's the cheek? Like, I was like, no, 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 you don't get it. There's so much of that out there. There are a million collections. Every brand is doing collections every quarter and selling you a bunch of stuff you don't need. I'm creating something you don't have in your beauty arsenal right now. The On the Glow Blush Illuminator that takes the place of you know multiple different products in your beauty bag. It's your lipstick. It's your blush. It's your cream eyeshadow. It's your highlighter. It's so much more. And so... They like couldn't get their head around it. They're like, I don't get it. I'm like, you don't like, this is my point. My point is that if we create one thing and we truly innovate and it solves a problem in people's lives and they actually like it and want to use it and it saves them time and it saves them space because they don't have five different products and it saves them money because they're not buying four different products, then the value the consumer is going to see in our brand, they're going to want to be a part of this brand. They're going to want to buy from us because we're saving them time. We're saving them money. We're saving them space. And they were like, oh, okay, like, let's try that. And I really genuinely believe it's like less is more. Like launch with what you think you really need to launch with to tell your story and then see if your story resonates. And then you have all the time in the world to build on from that. Right. Absolutely. And I think that's so smart to do for sure, especially in a product business. You know, one of the things that- think through it. Oh yeah, definitely take the time to think about what it is that you're creating. You know, one of the things that I love is number one, how passionate you are about your product. I mean, you really, you just, you exude it, you glow. Like I just, I loved hearing you speak about Wander <laughs> and personally being customers. <laughs> yeah, it's exciting. <laughs> and being personal customers, we know how good the quality of the product is. And when you have something good and you're passionate about it and you're trying to make a sale, how do you get your message across to your customer to say, you guys, 
you got to get this, like, you got to get this product. How do you, you know, navigate through that, especially in the very beginning? How did your message come across to essentially build out those sales? I think it was really hard because I think what we were trying to do was so different than what everyone else was trying to do. If I created a brand that was just hair or just color or just skin, and it had, it was a doctor brand for skin, or it was a hair brand with a hairstylist for hair, like all of this has been done before, right? And like, that's the route. They come out with a collection. They have a whole collection. You anniversary that collection year after year. Like I was the opposite of everything. I was like, I'm a real working mom. Like, this is what my life is like. I want one thing that makes my life easier. Like, this is my story. And so when Lindsay and I were doing this and we were going out and she's like, I'm a model. I'm on planes, trains, and automobiles. I have five minutes to get ready. Like when I'm doing myself, I'm taking care of my skin. This is how I'm doing it. So, and we're like, we want, we're women who both have iPhones and we spend more time shopping on that device than we spend actually talking to other humans. And that's the sad state of life today, but that's true. We have things to buy for ourselves, for our families every day. And we're not spending all that time chatting on the phone. And it's like, I'm podcasting on my phone more than I'm talking to people. I'm listening to other people talk to me. So I think that it's interesting to understand the real context of your life and what you're doing and to really just share that story authentically. And that became our messaging. And we really just amplified it through relationships we had. We reached out to celebrities that we knew. We reached out to publicists we knew. We reached out to editors at magazines that we knew. We just like, we networked. If we didn't know people, we went on LinkedIn and we hustled. Like it was all about building community and networking and getting the word out there organically because we didn't have money. Money was not the option for us. We were not the brand that launches into the stratosphere and has billboards in New York City and you see it everywhere. Right. Like so many beauty brands launch and you're like, oh my God, they've taken over Brooklyn. It's in every subway. It's everywhere. Like I see it. Like I therefore have to buy it because every subway ad is reminding me I need it. Like right. we were not about push marketing. That was never our story in our brand. It was about solving real problems for real women in the context of their lives allowing them to experience the brand, share their story, and amplifying that story. Amplifying that story through content, through digital content, through Facebook, through Instagram, through YouTube, through relationships with real people. And that's how we built our brand. Yeah, that's, that's so amazing. Beautiful. I love it because it's word of mouth. It's like what right. you said from the very beginning, it's all word of mouth. Yeah. I love that. I think that the question that most, I guess, entrepreneurs always have, young entrepreneurs starting out, it's like, when do you start seeing the money, right? Like, <laughs> you can only run on passion and- I and, I'll tell you when I see it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, you know, it's so interesting. I mean, years and years of not taking a salary. I will be honest with you. Like, And listen, if I chose to take funding and I had the choice to take it earlier- I could have paid myself handsomely. And I'm not saying that's a wrong decision to make. A lot of my friends who've started beauty brands, raise money, pour money into advertising, take a big salary, and they hit go for the they, you know, they go for it. That was never me. I was about building a brand, building a story, working with a community, getting people together, finding and recruiting talent that wasn't coming here to get the highest paycheck, was coming here to build, to innovate, to create to be leaders, to give them opportunities that they didn't have in corporate America. So that was our model and our our mold, our business, our culture. It's just so different from what's out there, but I'm a living example of it. Like I did not take a salary ever, not a penny, not $1 for many years. And I just started paying myself recently and we're four years in. And that also is you know less than what 
you know, a lot of people on the team make. And that's been a personal choice for me. It's been a choice about, I'd rather spend every dollar building our team and putting money in the hands of people who are going to create immense value for Wander and be incredibly motivated and dedicated because I'm always going to, this is going to be my life no matter what. So whether I'm getting a salary or I'm not getting a salary, I'm still working seven days a week and pouring my heart into this because this is what I believe in. So for me, it was never about the money. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. For especially, you know, when you're talking about hiring, I think it's really, it, it, it crosses our mind all the time too. You know, how how does the whole hiring process work? How do you know if you find good talent? Where do you find good talent? Is it relational? Do you put an ad out? Like, how do you build an actual team that really takes you to the top? You find a great talent when you're not looking for it. When you are networking and meeting people all the time, like we have a very systematic approach to hiring. We do all of our recruiting and staffing in-house. We don't use recruiters. We don't use third-party agencies. We don't post job descriptions and say to a headhunter, go find me the person with the best resume. Like We're building a culture and a team of A-plus players, and that's built through the same way we built our community, meeting people, networking, friends of friends, posting jobs on Google Hire. Like There's just so much we're doing. We built a database and roster of different roles, and we are meeting people all the time. And then when as we grow as a company and we have places and open areas, we just go into the database and pull out the best candidates and bring them back in. So it's a very systematic process. It's like building a community. It's I really think talent is the biggest X factor. A great business is great people. And so we're very quick to fire people. Like if it's not working out, it's not working out. Like and if you've taken us as far as you can take us, like we're done. Like and I, I know that sounds horrible, but at the same time it's like what I really believe, I feel like fire quickly if it's not a fit, but hire slowly and be so deliberate about the hiring process. Like spend so much time and energy thinking about who you're bringing into the fold and what value they add and how they can grow and lead and build and grow in their career. Because if you can create a great environment where they can learn a lot, a lot and grow the responsibility, that's going to be worth more than money. Wow. Oh yeah. I'm never going to be able to pay you the highest paycheck. So I got to create the best experience. Absolutely. And how do you build, like, for example, what's the culture like working at Wander? Like, how do you build culture? I think it's really important to lead by example. I think a lot of it is who you are as a leader. My co-founder and I are super involved in the business. We come to work. I'm here every single day. I'm in the morning. I leave in the evening. Like, this is my life. I'm here. I'm not delegating a bunch of stuff and running away and enjoying a fabulous life. So plenty of entrepreneurs do that. And that's great for them, but that's just not the kind of culture that I'm building. If I want people to charge hard for me and work really, really hard to build the business, then I need to be doing it too. So I feel very strongly the culture is created by leadership and they have to lead by example. Absolutely. Oh, Divi, I hate to cut this conversation already. (laughs) I feel like we can girl chat up, especially about beauty, like all day long. (laughs) What would be your best advice for any millennial woman hearing this right now that's thinking of starting a product line business? I think do a lot of research and do a lot of homework. There's so much clutter in the market. And really when you're launching your product or your service, I would say really focus on innovation. Like how are you doing something totally different that everyone else in the market is doing? Like with Wander, we were always innovating. We worked with Korean chemists. We were ahead of the curve in formulations and delivery systems and ingredients and clean beauty and nourishing the skin every single treatment product we came out with was treatment and performance at the same time. So 
innovating and you know putting things in a tube instead of putting them in a hard case plastic coated shell like because it was lighter to travel with and it wouldn't smash and crack on an airplane like we thought through the innovation of our products so much and we think through every single thing that we launch every skincare formulation is maximum results minimum effort and like high active ingredient levels like you're going to get something that a doctor brand's not going to even include that high level of, and you're going to have an affordable price point. We're innovating in the, the value we're creating for the consumer. So I think that you truly have to focus on innovation because there's just too much me too out there. Right. Absolutely. Amazing. Divya, thank you so much for your time thank today. You, you are like an icon. We adore you. <laughs> we love your brand. Thank you. And follow along at wander underscore beauty at Instagram. And I'm yep. at dgugnani, D-G-U-G-N-A-N-I. Yes. And you always do the most amazing lives too. <laughs> with your makeup <laughs> you. thank you. Thank I thank love you it I love it take care thank you for tuning in to today's episode if you want to learn more about Divya follow her on Instagram at digunani and at wonder underscore beauty subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes and Spotify ladies this helps us continue to bring you powerful conversations just like this to you every single week want free and discounted resources Sign up right now to our free newsletter at wearemillennialwomen.com for subscriber-only freebies and perks to help you become the best version of yourself. We encourage you to continue on with the conversation. Keep being the strong, amazing woman that you are and never forget to live inspired. Until next time, MW. Always love Melissa and Stephanie Kirkache.